uh, what her life uh, has, uh, where her life has taken her. Uh, and without wasting much time, I'm going to actually bring her on. Assalamu alaikum. Waalaikum assalam. How are you, Salman? Good. Thank you so much for making the time uh, to speak uh, with me today. My pleasure. It's an honor. Thank you for having me. Uh, I have my friend Alex. She's uh, having some technical difficulties, but we'll start off. And uh, she's until while she figures out uh, and she'll be joining us as well at some point. Awesome. That's great. So thank you again. Like I said, you know what? Uh, this has been a pleasure. It's been an honor to sit down with you and have uh, a conversation around, uh, you, know, you know, I was reading the article about life reinvented. It, it really inspired me. It really uh you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that stood out and it, it made me feel that, you know, I think I want to sit down with you and chat with you and, and allow the, the viewers or, or people out there to understand who you are. So tell me a little bit about your background. Uh, well, um, my background is I'm a teacher from back home. I'm originally from Pakistan and uh, um, I've been a teacher in Abu Dhabi. I lived there for 12 years. I've been out of Pakistan from the age of 17. Uh, that's when I got married and I moved to Dubai and Abu Dhabi and I've been teaching there. I came to Canada 15 years ago uh, with my kids and uh, I decided not to pursue teaching here, rather pursue teaching life skills. So I joined an immigrant serving agency and uh, um, I've been working there like first as a volunteer and then uh, it's been over 10 years that I've been working as an employee. Oh, so what's the agency called? It's the Calgary Immigrant Women's Association. Oh, okay. Yeah. Actually, a lot of viewers are starting to join us. If anybody wants to uh, ask a question, please put that in the comment, and I'll be very happy to uh, ask Samina those questions. If you feel comfortable coming on the camera, let me know. I can add you briefly to the to the uh, to the stream, and you can ask your question directly. So, going back to your immigration thing, so what 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 made you go to that route? to the uh, immigrant serving agency yeah. route, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, again, it's serving the community. It's working with people, empowering, supporting, encouraging, inspiring. That's something that's very dear to me. And uh, I feel uh, my purpose is served best when I'm in this capacity. Um, I'm a teacher. I've been told I'm a born teacher. And uh, I've been teaching um, kids from elementary to senior high and, uh, you know, um, I love interacting with people. I'm genuinely interested in the, the human experience. And so for me, now when I came to Canada, I thought I'm here to experience and share the best of both worlds, which is all the experience that I bring uh, with me from my uh, uh, you know, um, stay at Abu Dhabi, as well as my upbringing in Pakistan. Um, so yeah, it was just a very natural transition for me. I mean, I didn't have to put much thought into that. Excuse me. My son just entered the house. <laughs> That's okay. I'm just lying. <laughs> so, Sabina Ji, let's go back. I think you mentioned Abu Dhabi. You mentioned Pakistan. So, tell me a little bit about your past life. You know, you know, when did you move from Pakistan? What brought you to Abu Dhabi? Why Canada from Abu Dhabi? Like, how did it all unfold? How much time do you have? Lots <laughs> of <Sometimes>. time. <laughs> <laughs> Try to put it in a, you know, what do you say in Urdu? Samandar ko kuze mein. But Ooh, anyways, uh, so the thing is, um, um, I was raised in Islamabad and uh, I was uh, 17 when I uh, my parents decided to get me married. And uh, uh, being a good girl, 
that I was. Uh, I, uh, you know, conformed to their wishes and uh, uh, trusting the fact that uh, they decided the best for me. Um, uh, I came to live in Abu Dhabi with my husband then. And um, <clears throat> I had my three kids over there. Um, I started teaching. I started experiencing life as a young bride. Um, I had so many aspirations and I did uh, a lot you know, when it comes to that, I maintained my, uh, my vigor, my will, my curiosity. Uh, I loved the Arab culture. I really, really enjoyed um, the multiculturalism in Abu Dhabi and Dubai. Um, I got to meet a wonderful, wonderful, amazing people there. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, and then my husband, he decided he wanted to move to Canada and um, immigration to Canada, uh, Canada being one of the best places in the world. So uh, we decided to move here. So that was 2004? That was 2003. We left oh, okay. in 2003. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah. And then I went back um, and I landed again. I like I returned back again in 2004 um, as a single mom with my kids. So you went through a life change there? Drastic, drastic. You know, they say migration is one of the biggest catalysts. Uh, so absolutely for my life, it had been, uh, it was a catalyst and uh, things that were underlying and they were on the back burner, everything just came crashing in. Um, and yeah, I had to take some major decisions in my life at that point. So Abu Dhabi, you know, you lived the life um, as a couple and then coming back on your own to Canada, that must have been a devastating experience. A lot of people... Come with like, families and they can't settle. Oh, absolutely. It was like I moved the planets. So I'd like to give you the analogy that um, I considered myself a very educated, confident, out there woman who, can, who could handle everything, my upbringing. I was quite confident about all of that. Uh, but the state of mind that I came in uh, the second time uh, as a single mother and uh, not knowing where I'm headed because I did not actually have a plan. Everything was just happening and I was going with the flow. Um, um, I mean, it would not be an understatement to say that I had no clue what the city was all about. I did not know how to navigate the system. I didn't even know how to post a letter. <laughs> at that time. Can you believe it? I mean, it I so do. happens your state of mind uh, it just, uh, you know, I was very, very, um, yeah, the word is shattered. So I think the dependency that you're talking about, you know, that's the culture yes. that creates that. How did you transition from that dependency to become independent? Because that's unfortunately one thing a lot of our uh, females in our society, in our culture, they suffer with that. Uh, I think you, you're a prime example of how you were in one spot on the, you know, relying on that dependency and then all of a sudden you became independent. So tell me a little bit about that transition. Yeah, that's a very, very good question, Salman. The thing is, um, generally, we're all raised in a very, very sheltered life, in a yeah. bubble. So, of course, uh, growing up, uh, having my dad, my mom, uh, my maternal, uh, you know, aunts, uh, and I'm sorry, my maternal parents, like my aunts and uncle, everybody, uh, very well-knit and sheltered uh, family. And then, of course, uh, having uh, been married at a very early age and, you know, uh, under the responsibility of my husband, 
back home while growing up now i would like to mention here that things are very changed now there's a huge shift it's not that way anymore yeah but when i was being raised we never knew uh what was the rate of the tomatoes uh how to go pay a bill yeah. uh you know how the where the salaries are coming from how the banks work yeah things like that you know every yeah. the rent was paid everything we never had to worry about these things um and then of course after marriage the husband that's the state of mind the mentality that you know everything yeah. is taken for granted they take care of everything so yes um i started taking ownership of my life and i started uh, uh it was like a rebirth and uh i had to learn everything from scratch there is one thing when you say i know how it's done and that's a completely different thing to be doing it yeah so you had to be the man and the woman oh man i had to be the father the mother the man yeah. the woman the friend you just name it yes everything just came uh, all together so i think you know what not to get off the topic but what's the one thing you can tell to to the generation now or or people that are watching this you know that that the path to independence in some ways you know to become that person that actually could do it all like what changed it for you where, where did you realize that i can do this in your journey when i realized that i matter when i realized that yeah. I- not be loved if i do not love myself when i realized i will not be respected if i respect myself yeah and i need to take care of myself and i need to put myself first in order to be able to give to my children and to the people who love me and who rely on me so that's when i realized me first and that is a concept that is very very alien growing up because yes. it was in our culture especially they did into being selfish that yeah. oh you always put yourself up you know first and oh this is selfishness no self care is not selfishness and i would like to tell all the women out there and men you are the nucleus it has to be you first you have to fill your cup first in order to give others you cannot pour from an empty cup that's true so i started looking within and i started loving myself and i started looking into myself and you know started wondering who am i what do i want what's going on here and that's something you you never had a chance to do before never never because you know you're on autopilot you're living life yeah. but you're just doing it because everybody does it and you're doing it because this is just normal and it's expected um for me it everything had to like i had to stop pause take a step back and see oh okay so this is me we are talking about this is my life and i started the word is conscious living living consciously yeah acha look at this unfortunately the culture we are brought up in it's a very joint culture you know you're raised by you, your extended family extended family and the whole neighborhood and the neighborhood beyond that like it's unfortunate so i think it's hard to find yourself in that crowd It, it physically all could be well with you and i think that's probably when you were going through that transition everything was fine psychologically what triggered triggered that change in you like i'm trying to get deep down into the realization that you got it was it certain events that happened that made you feel like you know it's time that i put myself first oh man there were a lot of there were a, a series of events that brought me to that point 
these things do not happen overnight, okay? So divorces, separations, migration, eh, these things take time and then there's a trigger point and then, you know, boom, there you go. Um, so for me, the decision to take ownership of my life was a 12-year journey that wow. is how long I was married. It was 12 years long and... Um, not a day went by when I would question what is going on. Uh, but, the, but the thing is, I, I had my circumstances that forced me to keep going or my fears. I had a lot of fears and I had a lot of insecurities and I kept questioning and wondering um, until there came a point when it was not about me. You know, it's very ironic I say that. Um, I think uh, I'm stronger when I'm fighting for others. Oh, I see. <laughs> and uh, I, I took this fight for my kids. And I'm like, you know what? I've had enough. Uh, maybe I was weak for myself. Maybe I was double-minded and confused and I didn't know where I'm going. But I know, absolutely, I know for a fact where I'm going with these children and their lives. And that is, it's not their fault that they came into the world. It's my responsibility. God has given them to me to care for, to support, to nurture. And in order for me to do that, what I'll do whatever it takes, and which is I need to take care of myself because they rely on me. I'm the nucleus. I'm the center. Samriji, so three kids, how did they take that transition? I think they were very young at that time. I've been a very hands-on mom from day one. I've raised them very, very close to my heart. I was never an absent mother. Um, uh, there isn't much age difference between me and my firstborn. We're just 18 years apart. Um, she's more like a sibling to me and a, a friend, soulmate yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. than a daughter. Um, so and you're, we grew you're social, social media manager too, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, during the campaign she was. Campaign, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah she was managing my uh, social media. Um, so I, I've been very hands-on and uh, I've been very aware of myself and I raised my children the way I wanted to be raised. If you can summarize it, I raised my children the way I wanted to be raised. I gave them the attention, the support, the love that I thought I could have benefited more with. So it's funny, you know, you made a comment about the fact that, you know, you're strongest when you're fighting for others. So I look at your past three to four months. <laughs> What triggered you to get into uh, the political side of things? You know, Canadian politics is uh, extremely fairly new to us as Pakistanis. A lot of us, you know, we hold ourselves back. We don't want to be part of it. We're so stuck in uh, the news from back home, uh, you know, and that we never try to become part of the, the society or the community we're part of. So what, what led you to get into, uh, you know, the Canadian politics? One word, passion. Passion for community service, for community building. I personally myself did know that uh, the next step to serving people on a bigger platform was going into politics. So this, is, this just happened. I happened to be at the right time, at the right place, among the right people. And uh, uh, we were in conversation where I said, you know what, um, I feel my wings are a bit too big now for where I am and I'm looking for something more. I'd like to serve the people, empower, support, lead uh, on a different level. 
And that's when I realized that, oh, you can be a, a member of the Legislative Assembly because advocacy and, you know, fighting for the, you know, underdogs and for the lesser and, you know, uh, for a cause, that's me too. So the activist in me led me to this journey towards this. And it was just a natural choice. It was just very natural and a smooth transition. I mean, people have been asking me, we didn't know you were interested in politics. I said, me neither. And they said, we didn't know you were a politician. I said, me neither. But <laughs> if, uh, being all of that is considered that, so be it. I am. Well, I like what you said last night. You said, there's a politician in all of us. Oh, yes. Right? Yes. It comes out with kids. It comes out at work. It comes out in our daily lives. I think just, but if you put it to good use, like you're trying to, uh, there's benefit to the society. So, yeah. so a, a very interesting comment you made, your wings, you know, became too big to expand. So let's go back in 2004. You basically came with, with your wings cut off, right? So the journey to grow them, you know, you, you spend time with your family, you've grown your kids along the way. Uh, what did you do uh, development wise? Did you, did you go out of your way to learn something, uh, to be part of things that allowed you to become a better person? So <clears throat> I came across this uh, beautiful quote when I had moved here. Uh, I was reading. I love reading. I'm a, a reader. And uh, I, I came across this quote, which is, sometimes you have to jump off that bridge and build your wings on the way down. So I did jump. I just jumped. From and a high peak. <laughs> I just jumped with the faith my spirituality really, really held me. And I jumped with the purest of intentions that my intentions are clear. I want the best for my children, for myself. I don't mean any uh, maliciousness or I'm not vengeful or, you know, anything negative like that. I'm just in protective mode. And I had the faith that once I jump, my creator will protect me the way he has from day one. So that faith did take me a long way, number one. And number two, of course, um, when I came here, we, uh, we, we all have skills and we have a lot of transferable skills that we, we're not aware of. And then when once you're in a newer environment, you develop, you realize that newness, new skills, you know, they start emerging from within you. And I noticed a lot of shifts within me because of, the newness, the newness of the environment that I was in, the challenges and the people that I was coming across, the one thing that I would say is I was open. I kept myself open here and here to learning. And I, I was open to receiving. I did not come with a state of mind which was, I know everything, uh, this is me, and So... That is the state of mind that I am in at this moment as well, which is I'm open to learning. I'm open to receiving. I'm open to your viewpoint. Um, and I'm open to giving the other benefit of the doubt always. So when you're not rigid that way, I think you learn more. You receive more. So going back to one of my questions. Uh, you mentioned the fact that 
um, you know, there's is the faith. How much did faith had a part to play? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Faith was the only thing that kept my head afloat above water. Because faith is the only thing that helps you justify, helps you cope with the things that happen to you in the world, and you're not able to make sense of it. Your faith is the only thing that helps you stay afloat, gives you that hope, and helps you let go of what you're not able to make sense of, because it's the trust that you'll be taken care of. No. Haji, welcome back. Sorry about that. That's okay. Technical issues. I think uh, almost thirty-five uh, people are viewing it. It must have crashed. <laughs> oh wow! Well, I don't see thirty-five people here. It just shows eight people. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I can see the update on the on my okay. site. Yeah, <clears throat> so we're back on. Uh, apologize for that. No so, worries. faith, as you were mentioning, faith had a part to play. Uh, haven't said that, you know, I'll go back a little bit. You, you talked about the fact that, uh, you know, there was, there were, there were things that you learned along the way. I talk about development of uh, ourselves and a lot of times, you know, unfortunately our media doesn't play a good part. A lot of us depend on, uh, still depend on our media back home, Pakistan, the kind of dramas, TV channels that we watch and things like that. That's not a great way to develop our mentality. Uh, uh, some of you know our females growing up are future mothers, and um, you know there's a lot. Like say you're a prime example that you you're a mother on your own, new society, new culture. You had to learn a lot of skills to become who you are today. How would you advise them? Uh, which path you would would you advise them? What kind of networking would you ask them to do, or development would route or path you would ask them to take? Um, so when I came to Canada, the first thing that I started doing was to um, go out and start meeting people. And the best way to meet people is by volunteering, by being actively engaged in the community that you live in, whether it be at the children's school, um, social network uh, clubs, <clears throat> book clubs, uh, volunteering at the library. Uh, in my case, I was very lucky that I started volunteering for this immigrant serving agency that I'm working today at. And um, um, I'd like to mention here that for me, besides faith, there's another thing that helps me cope with a lot of um, adversity in my life. And that is you, you help others. You direct your focus away from yourself and start focusing or, you know, paying attention to the other person's needs. Like when I say person, I mean people, yeah. neighbors, your friends. So in that way, you are not completely fully engrossed within yourself and you are distracted and you also get a sense of that, you know, I'm not the only one. I'm yeah. not alone. And that gives you a lot of strength and that gives you a lot of fulfillment at the same time when they are doing well, when helping another person and you help them out of a situation, it, it really strengthens one. So <clears throat> I started volunteering at the organization on, in various departments. Um, and I wasn't actually 100% healthy in order to be working full time. So I was a full time mom. 
I was with my children 24 seven. And then my me time once they had gone to school would be to go out and volunteer. Uh, during volunteering, I would say in Canada, volunteering is a, is a very, very noble thing to do. This is, in a way, getting to understand the Canadian business culture without having to pay for it. Absolutely. Okay. So, and that's another way for you to prove yourself, to showcase your skills, yourself to the people who you're working for. And then now I can safely say that when we have volunteers in our organization, we're always keeping an eye out that they're being trained under us, they're working for us. And when there's a position, if that person has proven their skills and their commitment and their professionalism, we give them preference, we give them a reference, right? So that's what happened with me as well. Uh, I got to explore, I got to showcase, I got to share uh, a lot of my skills as an immigrant uh, woman, as a mother, as a teacher, as a community member. And then volunteering also helped me to pick and choose where I'd like to pursue my, uh, you know, energies in the future. So I started volunteering in different departments in different organizations. And that's when I decided that, you know what, this is the one that I like best. I would highly, highly, highly encourage volunteering to all our people who are looking to go into uh, the workforce in Canada. So beautiful point. I think uh, volunteering is a beautiful, uh, beautiful uh, thing to do in Canada. And I think I agree with you that, you know, you have to build, you have to build your own brand. Your brand basically is who you become and that's how you're known. So fairly honestly, you being a Pakistani uh, and on top of that, a hijab wearing Pakistani, how did you build that brand? Hijab was never an issue for me. I do believe that this is part of my personality and my, uh, what would you say, uh, my persona, my image. I'm a Muslim woman. I'm proud of that. Uh, I'd like to be visibly seen that way. Um, <clears throat> this was never a hindrance in any manner. Rather, it actually helped me uh, bring about my intellect and my other skills more into the forefront that I realized when I started wearing the hijab, I felt even more empowered that men and women and people just did not only judge me by my looks, they were focused on what I was saying. Um, that gave me a lot of confidence itself. Um, this had, been, I mean, it's, so the thing is, I would say hijab or the way you dress is just part of it. It's actually your personality, your attitude that resonates even more when you are talking to people. So I think I was, uh, my personality is such that uh, a lot of times people forget that I'm just a hijabi or just a Muslim or just a woman because I just come across as, you know, out there, talk about anything, you know, ready to receive and, you know, do and, you know, share. So it's like that. It's your attitude, I would say. So let's go back to your campaigning. You decided that, you know what, you've done enough for the community. You have to expand your wings. Yeah. You want to go out there. You, you want to build your own brand. Uh, I think the venturing out, you know, I saw some of the pictures. I posted them on my page as well that you were actually knocking on doors proactively. You were going out there. You were actually meeting a whole bunch of people. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. How did that all go? 
How were you received? Oh my God. I mean, uh, Salman, for me, campaigning was like me falling in love. Falling in love with the community, falling in love with the people, falling in love with life all over again. Having the honor, the opportunity to be able to meet all of these people from different backgrounds and all of these various reactions. It was like giving me a different kind of, a, you know, uh, adrenaline rush. Um, I, I thrive on people. I thrive or, on interaction. I love public dealing. That's, that, that's what brings the best within me. And so knocking on doors at the same time, as nerve-wracking as it was, it was the most fun part of my campaign at the same time. People really, I mean, uh, I think I knocked over a thousand doors and people received me really well because uh, wow. <clears throat> they received me well. I mean, because I would, I would, you know, approach them. I do believe in energies. I am a very strong believer in energy. And so the energy that I would take to them would be of respect and understanding and of humility. And I would just go at their door and say, I'm here to serve. Give me the opportunity to serve as your community leader or as a representative. And I come to you under the banner of the NDP and under the leadership of Rachel Motley, who I really, really look up to. And uh, I admire her so much. Uh, I, it was an honor for me to uh, bring, you know, put myself out there under that, on that platform. So, yes. Yeah, I see that picture. <laughs> I love, that's one of my favorite pictures. Yeah, I think she's hugging you. <laughs> <laughs> she's hugging me. That so, was most beautiful moments. So why NDP? You, you got liberals, you got con conservatives, you have, so why NDP? Yeah, as I said, you know, I, I'm not very, I'm not a very, um, what's the word? I'm not a politician. I'm not very up to date with the nitty gritties of the, the, the platforms. But I had seen NDP's policies and what they all had done over the past four years. And I could feel the difference, the energy and the shift and how things were being played out over the past four years in my city. And on my level, I was very, very pleased with their mandate. I was very happy. I'm a teacher. I'm a social worker. Um, I'm, you know, and uh, NDP aligned their values, aligned completely with my values. And it was a very easy choice for me. It was not very complicated. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, as Pakistanis, uh, you know, trying to understand the Canadian political system, mm -hmm. uh, why should we get involved? Why not? We live here. This is our home. And why to sit in our drawing rooms and complain about policies, complain about uh, bills that have been passed and say that, you know, oh, my God, we need to be actively engaged because the people who are passing these bills and policies are just like you and me. Yeah. OK, so if uh, and then if we are not actively engaged, if we don't have a say, which is we don't vote to begin with, um, then we give away our power. We give away our rights and then we give others whatever they want to do with us. So I would say if you don't want anybody to cook something for you without your knowledge, whatever they'd like to cook, whatever they'd like to buy for you, then why would you want these policies there without your understanding or knowledge or your say? Absolutely. Aisha Chuktai, she's been commenting uh, quite extensively 
on the video today, but one of the questions she's asked is, how was your experience in running a political campaign? It was fantastic. It was lovely. Aisha, she's my childhood friend. <laughs> she was in this with me. And my, you know what, um, I would do that in a heartbeat. I would do that again. People, it's like we came out of a battleground. We were tired. We were exhausted emotionally, physically, socially, mentally, in every manner. But um, uh, for me, this has been more than just a campaign. This has been a very personal personal endeavor and um i i will do it in a heartbeat i this is my calling i just loved it i don't know how else to explain um it 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 humbled me a lot so the word that i would like to use here is how can you have an arrogant attitude how can you feel superior after campaigning at the doors begging for each and every vote and asking people to give you the opportunity to be a public servant. How can you have, uh, uh, you know, uh, that much of pride after this? So it really, really completely humbled me. And I felt like the man in the arena with my face marred in dust and, you know, in the battleground. And it was amazing. It was just simply amazing. I can't hear you, Salman. I can't hear you. Um, I'm not going to go missing at all because I'm a public personality regardless because of the nature of my job that I'm currently in. Uh, I am um, in the community service business. Uh, I'm a facilitator. I'm a coordinator. I'm a public speaker. I'm a counselor. Uh, I am in touch with these people that I wanted to serve on a bigger platform regardless of my win or loss. So I'm still going to be doing what I love most, which is uh, being connected with them uh, on various levels, uh, different engagements. I am on committees. Uh, I am still facilitating different groups in the, the different areas of Calgary. Uh, I'm still uh, coordinating new programs. So I do make sure that I attend public events um, and uh, I mean, I'll still be doing what I had been doing before. Uh, nothing changes. Rather, I think I'll be even more actively engaged more than before because now I've tasted yeah. this other level and I'd like to be more actively engaged even more than before, basically. So I'm going to throw something tough at you. We've talked about, you know, how women uh, of our society, they need to, you know, rethink how network, what networking is, going out, volunteering, don't stick, stay at home. How about the men? Because I think a lot of the issues that are caused, unfortunately, being from a male-dominated society, I've seen that even running the cricket setup for women in Saskatchewan, I've seen there's a lot of, uh, in some ways, uh, misconcepts or misconceptions about women in our society from men. What do men need to do? to change that perception of themselves, especially from our culture? Men need to believe more in themselves. Men need to understand that they're worth it. They're important. And then they don't need to impose themselves on others to feel important. Okay. So they need to just love themselves and believe in themselves the same way I would say to the women as well. So when I say believe in yourself, be gentle with yourself, work on your self-enhancement, on your self-development, I am talking to men and women collectively. 
Okay. So yep. the thing is, they need to work on their self-esteem. Women need to work on their self-esteem. So basically, the problem is low self-esteem, insecurities Insecurity, that yeah, force work. us to try and dominate or control people around us to feel better. Especially women. Especially women. So yeah. I wouldn't say that it's just women who are always subjected to uh, violence or unfairness. I, I would like to be fair and say it goes both ways at times. Yeah. Okay. So it, it's pretty much neck to neck here. Are you talking about the violence? Any kind of... Any kind. Any kind. I'm talking Physical about... Physical abuse, mental abuse, anything. Exactly. I'm talking about abuse. I'm talking about unfair treatment at times. Yeah. Especially in the emotional business, in the, you know, uh, the personal uh, field. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going, so, I'm going to the teacher side of you. You talked about this insecurity amongst men, right? How, do, how can we deal with that? Being a man, like I'm just throwing it out there. Like how can we deal with that insecurity? Because I've seen in, in our culture, if a female is progressing, the man has a problem with that. How again, do we do that? That's what I'm saying. Because that's the, that's the way our culture has been, right? A man is worthy when he has a good job, when he has money, when he has status, he's a provider, only then he's worthy. And if he cries, he's, if he's upset, oh my God, he's weak. Yeah. Poor man, poor man. You know, I forget that, about being human. <laughs> yeah, it's about being human. It's okay. Yeah. And so the same goes with a woman that I, I still believe, I do believe that however, whatever responsibilities and roles have been given to a man and a woman in our society. I'm talking yeah. specifically to the Pakistani, the Muslim society. Yeah. Uh, I would say that it's important to respect that and it's important to adhere to those cultural values without losing yourself or without being a slave. Absolutely. Okay? Yeah. So if a man is a provider, is taking care, is a responsible man for the family, is a good man overall, I don't think a woman should have any problem respecting him. Yeah. Okay. See, I, and vice versa. Absolutely. Islam has defined it first. You know what? You just said the man is a provider. That, that's what Islam states as well. But one thing we keep forgetting is the mother is the school. She the is. first school. Right? So, I mean, unfortunately, in our culture, we have no development of that personality that called mother, a future mother. You know, the motherhood doesn't start uh, after having a child, it starts way before that. Because I think a lot of uh, women or females, they, they look at their mothers. Uh, and, and, and this is where they start off a lot of things. So I think my, my ask is like, how can, how can we change that? How can we develop that school within our homes first? A man needs to remember one thing, that the mother, the woman, is the main person who is actually in charge of his prodigy. So, um, can you see me? Because I can't. You've gone missing. Oh, I'm back. Can you see me? Yeah, I can see you. Okay. My battery's going low here. On my oh. <laughs> see if I can plug it in. You can see me? I can, I can. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can't. Not anymore. Oh. Sorry, Salman, having some That's okay. uh, difficulties here at my end. I think 
I think one of the things uh, I like what you were basically talking about the fact that culturally, again, we have to develop the mothers. Uh, I'm going to get Samina back on. She's gone offline for a few seconds. She's reconnecting. But uh, one of the topics she's discussing is, you know, the the the, re- the reality is that, you know, our, our females need to be, be developed from home. Well, she's back on. I'm going to bring her in. So, okay, welcome back. Yeah, thank you. No problem. Sorry, I missed your question. So oh, I think well, you're the question I was basically referring to and I was just catching uh, the or updating the viewers while you were gone is basically the fact that you know mothers have to be the first school uh but we keep saying that we don't we don't ever do anything practical about it if our females don't get out there and they will become part of the society be a volunteer get into activities the kids will not get into those activities yeah. right yeah. Uh, they're only as good as the mothers you know at times uh, we men have a, a role to play in it. We stop a lot of those things from happening, but that's not where the complete uh, fault lies. It's to do with the the upbringing of our females as well. How do we change that? So you know what? Uh, I can only speak on personal experience. I can just speak for myself mostly, which is uh, I think parenting nowadays is a very different. Um, it's a whole new game. It's a different Especially way. in Canada or you're saying across? I would say across, to be honest. Oh. I would say because because of the internet, because of all of this exposure, because of the new world, how things are, um, it's a completely different ball game. So nowadays, the children not only rely on their grandparents or their aunts and uncles' stories, they're already being fed a lot from, you know, different sources. So I would uh, sincerely reach out to all the mums and dads and I would encourage them to be active and aware and conscious and have an open conversation and communication and a relationship with their child rather than having that hierarchical uh, attitude towards the child that I am the dad or I am the mom that's why so there has to be a balance um, the, the, the moms, they really need to be up to date with the growing trends, what's going on, the new terminologies. They need to have a, a, a behavior or an approach that the child is comfortable in talking to you, the mom or the dad, rather than sharing it with your, their friends or an outsider. So the responsibility, the sole responsibility lies on us as parents that we have to have that open communication and that open uh, relationship with our child. Okay. And for that, again, I would say, these are our children. We are responsible for them. Nobody else will come and take care of them. So this is our first and foremost priority. And that's, we are, we have been assigned these tasks. Why don't we do that properly? And why are we? So, you know, the thing is, Salman, people are so lost within themselves. They do not have their own issues and their own shortcomings fulfilled and uh, clarified. Hence, they're just running around here and there and neglecting all these people who look up to you. So for me, I had to take a step back, look within myself and say, what is this? What's going on? Who am I? What do I want? And what are these kids around me for? <laughs> Basically. You're right. But, but Sevinaji, you know, something I talked about was when, before the, when the interview started, look what's in our house, uh, homes right now. Hum TV. <laughs> uh, 
you know, some are, like all those channels, like the, the, the dramas that focus so much on social issues. There's nothing about the future. There's nothing about the world we're living in. You know, the technology where where you know Canadians or Westerners are going, we're we're not going down that path. None of us are following the media that teaches any any us anything, right? I, I hear you loud and clear. I I know that you're right, and it's a dilemma that I I really face with my clients, with the people that I work with. Uh, nobody wants to get out of that bubble back home. They are yeah. living here, but they're following all of those dramas, that culture back home. They even talk about politics back home. Absolutely. Nobody knows the Canadian politics that's happening. Nobody right knows about. who's your MLA here. What is, uh, you know, who's the mayor? Rarely. Everybody knows Nancy, of course. Yeah. But I'm just saying that, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, so that's why, that's why people like me come into the, the scenario and we try to bring them into the, 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 the place that they call home. Yeah. Kudos so, to you. Yeah. You know, this is home. You, you've been living here for the past 20 some years. And you're not interested in the language. You're not interested in the culture. You are completely disconnected. You you say that you are separate. It's a waste of your own life. Absolutely. So I think, you know, Fuzzle here at the, has made a comment. Was it okay to get married at the age of 17 years? Quite young. Um, you know, I have nobody to say what's okay and what's not okay. Okay, so being married at the age of 17 was not my own choice. It was the understanding and the decision of my parents at that time and me being a child who looked up to my parents' uh, wise decision for me at that time, I just went along with that. I personally, if you ask me as a mother, I wouldn't get my daughter married at 17 because then uh, my circumstances were very unique, I would say. So it's a one-off case in my situation. I do not come from a very typical family we're very progressive very modern but the setup was such and things happened in a manner that honestly i would just say that was fate in that situation i have no explanation why it happened the way it happened um but going forward my daughter is turning 27 she's not married yet because i want her to focus on her education find herself get a job a career and then she needs to want a man as a partner, not need one. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think that's the, that's the future where our society should go. This is where you know, and Islam, you know, defines those things for us. You know, I think Prophet uh, has said, you know, study. You have to go to China. It's for men and women both. It doesn't say for a man. So I think, but we actually tend to just limit ourselves in our families. I think if you look at the, and I'm just going to go back to parenting or as we were talking about that, a kid nowadays knows more than the parents. Of course. So who does he then look to towards for guidance? Because in, 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 in their minds, every year, I think, you know, psychologically, the study says every year a child that's born is 0.18% smarter than the last year's child. So if you have 20 years of experience gap between you and your kid, He's 20 years smarter than you are, right? How my do you alter that? are my biggest teachers. Pardon me? My children are there my biggest teachers. I look up to them for a lot of things in my life. So it's a picture. It is not a hierarchy. And I never tell them what they have to do. I show them what they might want to be doing. <laughs> by example, okay? 
So any of your kids, they want to follow your footsteps? Maybe. Who knows? Have they ever never, talked about it? Never. I mean, how, do they, how do they feel? How do they feel about you being involved? They're very proud of me. They're absolutely proud of me. And then, uh, yeah, they're very supportive. Um, their mom has always been a celebrity because I do believe I'm a celebrity in my own house. I'm the prime minister of my own house. I want to share another incident, by the way. I don't know if it's relevant <laughs> or not, but I have to say this. Uh, so when I had my first uh, job interview here in Canada, uh, 10 some years ago, the HR manager asked me, what's your Canadian experience? Do you have any Canadian experience? I had been here a year or over and I'm like, I'm a single mom and I'm raising children by myself. And uh, my house is like uh, a, a country. And my <laughs> children are the provinces. And I am the president of my house. Oh my God. Unbelievable. So in order for me to run the house smoothly, I have to maintain harmony and peace. And I have to be very diplomatic. So wow. this is my Canadian experience that I'm raising these children with the best of both worlds. She was floored. And she said, I'll have to write down this answer. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You see, it's how you see yourself. Uh, regardless of my position, regardless of the fact whether I'm a politician or not, I believe I'm a celebrity. I believe I'm important. I believe I'm absolutely fantastic. Within my own world, you have to create that bubble too. And then when you shine like that, it, it rubs off on others. You inspire everybody. Why not? We're all so amazing. Yeah, that's so inspirational. You know, it's funny because I keep reading this Urdu uh, share or, uh, you know, a little pro I keep running into it says, Dunya ka sabse bada rog, kya kahenge log? Like, uh -huh. we're so occupied, we're so occupied with trying to prove ourselves to others, we forget who we are. End of the day. This, this log has never paid a single bill of yours. Never, These ever. People have done nothing for you. What is the never. problem? Why do you care so much? But that's what creates the race in the society, right? Uh, we're trying to be better than the next person instead of trying to be better than who we were last yesterday, right? Absolutely. So my race is just against myself. I'm up against myself. I'm just worried about myself. I'm just focused on myself. I want to be a better person than today, tomorrow. Uh, I am my biggest subject. I am my biggest worry at the moment. That's Samina. How yeah. are you going to be tomorrow? Yeah. What are you going to do better tomorrow? That's about it. That's my only problem right now. So working life, you talked about, you know, going for an interview and all that stuff. What, what would you advise to our female followers or women out there, even Pakistani men that, you know, when going to work, you know, just finding a job is not good enough. Doing it really well uh, means a lot. Like progressing your career. How would you, uh, any advice for that? Again, your attitude defines your altitude. Okay. Always have a positive attitude. Uh, always be open to learning, always be open to growing and be curious. I would say never stop learning, never stop questioning, never stop uh, thinking that I know like this is it. I'm there. I've, I've been there, done that. I've reached my peak. Never, never. So humility is also very key. You have your education, you have your background, you have your experience. But for God's sakes, remember that humility, humility helps you grow. Humility takes you places. There is a very uh, thin line between low confidence and humility. 
there's a thin line between confidence and narcissism. So we have to be very careful about that. There's just striking that right balance. Absolutely. So some of our viewers would like to get your email address <laughs> to invite you to different activities. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that later. But Abbas Kizilbash has made a comment. What footwear should politicians wear to attract voters? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the back end story of that is, but uh, I'll let you answer shoes, that. Shoes, I believe. I love shoes. Okay. <laughs> and um, yeah, uh, men and women must focus on nice shoes. <laughs> That's the first thing people look at, right? <laughs> Nobody looks uh, at you from top down. Everybody looks at you from bottom up. You right? know, and, and secondly, you know, uh, that's another thing that I'd like to mention here. I, I'm sorry, we might be going over time, but appearances do matter. Okay. Yeah. We are a shallow society. We are, we do go by the first, you have to sell yourself for the first a minute and a half. And if you get the attention, you're done. If not, then sorry. So appearances do matter. And how you look, how you present yourself helps you go far. But I'm not saying this is the only thing. Absolutely not. But it does matter. So I would always say part of self-esteem, a healthy self-esteem, being working on yourself internally, you have to absolutely work on yourself externally as well, how you come across so personal grooming, wearing nice, clean, slick clothing, according to the, uh, you know, whatever situation, you, you have to be very careful with that. So I do do a lot of workshops when it comes to uh, readiness for professional interviews, um, reaching out, you know, when, how, how to dress uh, in different um, circumstances and uh, environments. Um, so, yeah, uh, answering Abbas, their shoes matter. <laughs> so don't wear, the, don't wear runners to a job interview, basically, yeah. is what you're saying. Hey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, awesome. I think we're coming close uh, to the end. Uh, I'm going to basically leave it to you to give us some ending notes. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and we would love to do this again. Uh, I really appreciate you making the time, and I think sitting down with you, chatting with you, very inspiring reading your stories be very inspiring and that's why i wanted to make sure that put your story out there uh to a lot of people that may not know you uh, um, away from alberta and i've been very fortunate to have built connections across the country by living in different provinces and i really wanted to put you out there and i'm very glad that you you agreed to it so last words before we uh, call it uh, a day Thank you so much, Salman. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm so honored. I'm so blessed. I'm so grateful for this, honestly. Um, I, I just want everybody to remember that you live once and do not play the blame game. Learn to take ownership and learn to uh, take lessons from what you know your circumstances or whatever is happening around you is trying to teach you. Okay, and enjoy life and love it. It's a gift indeed. Live in the present now. Cherish the people, the things that you have now. Stop living in the past and stop worrying about the future because the past and the future is actually the now. So right now, we have made history. Right now, we are creating the future. So what it is, it's now. And always have an attitude of gratitude. Just feel blessed and you'll see how much more will come to you. And I like what you said earlier. Love yourself first before you love others. Absolutely. Me yeah. first. <laughs> exactly. Me first. <laughs> Always remember that. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you to everyone that joined in today. 
uh, I really uh, thank everyone for being part of this. Thank you for all your questions and all that. This will be available on this Facebook page for a long time. I will be taking the video down for a bit to cut out some of the discon uh, disconnects we had uh, and then re-editing and sending it back. Thank you again. Thank you. And talk to you later. Bye. Stay warm. Bye.